What's going on? Welcome to Kinnell and Bell here on this Tuesday. We got the college football rankings coming out tonight. Raja, I'll give our thoughts on those a little bit later in the show. We got some NBA discussion we got to get to. Uh, Last night, Lamar Jackson went off. I think he might have locked up the MVP, although there is a lot of football left. But before we get to that, it's Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is a hot take or what it should be considered as, but I think Thanksgiving, love the week. Like, it's my favorite week. You get family together. Usually people come together. Sometimes that's not a good thing for some families, but it's a good thing in our family. So you get family together. You get time off work. You get football. Like, it's a great week. Sure. I'll say this, though. Thanksgiving dinner in itself. No, you're not going to say overrated. A little overrated. No, you're not. Well, tell me. All right. So then I have a question for you. When have you ever gone to a restaurant or had your wife cook a meal and said, you know what? I want to have a turkey. (laughs) Can you make up a turkey for me? You just don't because it's not the greatest meat out there. Right. It's kind of dry. Yeah. Like I don't even the sides are a little bit overrated. Now see the sides. Like the if you have ham out there, it's not that great. You, I don't eat meat. Oh yeah, so you don't so even have to worry about no that. No consequence to me. Yeah, the sides like mashed potatoes. We'll um, see mashed potatoes, like but those are kind candy, of regular. Candied like uh, candied yams or candy yams. Those like are too sugary for collard me. Collard greens, like yep. that kind of stuff. That's stuff that like your wife or your mom don't have time to make every night. Right. So there, there's a lot of love and effort put into making those, right? And I, they're some of my favorite comfort foods. They are. Like, right. I love mashed potatoes. So right. um, cornbread, stuff like that. You don't. When we were younger, my mom had time. I don't know how she made it to make some of that stuff. Like today's generation, like we're so on the move. None yes. of that stuff ever gets made. Never. So it's the only time you get to eat it. Right. And I'll say it's overrated. Okay. Uh, so the problem with me with the turkey, meat is overrated. The, yes, the meat, the turkey meat is severely overrated. And the problem I have so with it. So why don't you just now, flip that out for some fillets or something? I man. might have to. Yeah. I might have. But then it's not your Thanksgiving meal. So that's you're making change, my point for me. the tradition. Exactly. We might have to. But then that goes to the point. The overall Thanksgiving meal is no, overrated. No, the point is the meat is overrated. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so here's what I do. Because I think the turkey meat is too dry. Okay. And I know there's gravy as an option. I'll do a little ketchup on there. Oh, <laughs> which pretty, actually, it's pretty good. Don't knock it until you've you're tried bugging. it. Don't I, knock like, it. Two years ago, right? And I'm and I don't like turkey. I don't even like touching turkeys and stuff like that. <laughs> right. it's just, it's just, I don't know. Um, I fried a turkey. See, I've heard smoker it. and fried is a way to go. Did you like it? My dad has always smoked our turkeys, yep. right? So he's always smoked them. Uh, but I I fried it and I injected it with some of like the, you know, the um, marinade that you inject on their skin, and then I dropped that thing in a deep fryer. Um, how did it work it out? Up. Said it was the best turkey they ever had. Really? But so you did all this yourself and I, didn't even try it. Can't do it. Oh, I cook meat all the time. I don't eat it. I cook it all. I love to cook it. Really? Yeah. So I, I'm I, doing I, all I, that I took work. Pride in that thing, bro. I grind <laughs> right? it. I uh, injected it. I dropped that thing in. The th- yeah, it was good though. They said got to be careful it. though frying them because I've, I've heard some horror stories about some accidents that happen when you do I was, that. I was straight paranoid. I took <laughs> I almost bet. every precaution. I would, be Danny. Too. I want to. I'd add another Thanksgiving food to the turkey list of things that you a can't eat without gravy and b would never eat on another day is stuffing. Like why, right, why, like, and I don't think it tastes that great. Day outside, unless Y'all you go to Boston, unless you go to um, stuffing. Come on, bro. are you are you eating stuffing without gravy? You just I eating eat stuffing? stuffing. I, yeah, with mashed potatoes. I don't I don't eat meat, so therefore I don't eat, eat the gravy. But I like stuffing. <laughs> Uh, My mom's stuffing is y'all got the wrong people making you stuff. Stuff? Y'all don't eat no you damn stuffing, stuffing any other day but Thanksgiving. That's besides or the, day the after. point. Who's got time to make stuffing? <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. It's overrated. It's overrated. <laughs> so back to my original point. It is overrated. Anyway, have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Enjoy time with your family. Yeah. All right. Last night, Lamar Jackson, I think, locked up 
the MVP award. Now, there is a lot of time left. He already was right there with Russell Wilson. We've talked about this a lot, but on a national stage against a brand, you have a game like he did, five touchdown passes, and you already can do all the other things that we know about. I think it's a wrap. I think give it to him. And they might be the best team in football. Yeah, he's got a lot of things working for him. Um, Maybe the best team in football. Way more highlight plays and electrifying type of plays. Bigger numbers, uh, you know, on, on the on the big stage than Russ. More dynamic of an offense. And, you know, we talk about this all the time, Danny. The na- He's a media darling. He's the national media's darling right now in terms of the NFL. And so that plays a big role in the politics of winning MVPs. It's just what it is, you know? That's why, you know, Steve Nash is one of my best friends. Uh, won two MVPs. Like, you can make a case... That in those years there were other guys that were statistically better, but they love Steve. Like, do you know what I mean? So that was part of the conversation around those MVPs, um, and that's just politics. That's life, right? Um, the only thing that I would say about him having it locked up is if for some reason they just completely fell off a cliff, and I don't imagine they will, and Russ continues to win um, and continues statistically to keep on pace where he's at, I- I'd have a case for Russ being the MVP. Right yeah, now, I it's think, Lamar's. But I think it's Lamar's, too. Their schedule gets a little bit tougher. They'll play the 49ers at home. Then they have the Bills on the road, which could be a weather game. It's in December, after all, in Buffalo. Then they get the Jets, Browns, and Steelers. If they could just get through the next two weeks, and really the 49ers would be an opportunity for uh, for Lamar Jackson to say, all right, how do you do against the best defense? He already faced one of the best defenses. The Patriots beat them. Right. He's just, it doesn't matter what game plan you have dialed up for him. He can beat you in so many ways. I mean, aren't the well the Rams statistically this year might not be, but aren't they supposed to be a get after you type? Of yeah, they're like, supposed to be. Like, and yeah. the thing that impressed me last night, and I didn't stay up for the whole game. I was actually glad it was a blowout. Like I'm not going to watch this anymore. But the second touchdown pass of the game, the Rams brought pressure, and they had four verticals running out the, up the field, and it was the one where he hit the inside to his right. It was kind of the inside vertical route. Yep. And he hit that, and there was a free rusher coming. He didn't panic at all. Some quarterbacks with his running ability might have said, all right, let me, let me shake my way out of here, make some right. moves. Nope. Trusted the system, delivered a ball perfectly thrown right up the seam, touchdown pass. Like, now he's starting to answer whatever teams are throwing at him. When they're starting to blitz him, saying, let's see if we can get him to panic, he's, nope, he's picking them apart. That was how they attacked him last year. Yeah. I mean, right? right yep. Before he had you know grown in, in, in that pocket passing uh, role. It was to send some pressure at him, see if you could get those feet to start moving and get him off of his platform. Absolutely. Um, again, scary prospect for the NFL. If 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 Buddy continues to grow in in pocket passing ability, um, the reading of defenses, you know, um, the subtleties of playing the quarterback position, and he's seasoned and can do some of the things, you know, with his eyes and his mind that the Brady's and the Rodgers and the Drew Breeses do pre-snap, and you you compare that. I mean, you complement that with his ability to just electrify you with his feet that it's got to I mean that's scary scary it absolutely is scary um a couple things that kind of people are breaking down today after you put a performance like that and after the year you're having uh to this point let's start off with the Ravens themselves as a team Mm -hmm. I think they're the best team in the NFL right now um they've got balance They've got defense that's solid that can shut you down. Right. They've got balance offensively where if they do have a weather game and it does get nasty, they can run the football, whether it's with Mark Ingram or Lamar Jackson. Or both. And you've shown an elite passing game that's as efficient as it gets. Like, who else is better? The Patriots are 10-1. and one. They have a better record within the AFC, but they're watch them play. They're a mess offensively. Yes. They're trying to figure out ways to generate offense. The Ravens are showing you different wrinkles every single week that make them tougher to stop. In the AFC, 
That's really it. Like, it's them or the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs, I still think, are kind of flying under the radar, but they have significant defensive issues, even if they do get things back on track on the offensive side of the ball. Like, the Bills, I'm not taking the Bills over them. I think the Ravens are the best team in the AFC over the Patriots. Um, I, Listen, I think that's a fair... I think that's a fair way to look at it, Danny. I, I think the my only concern for for they just beat the Patriots, right? So like exactly, what, I mean, like you got a head to head. We're going off, and I hope this isn't true because I'm pulling for the Ravens, right? Like right. I've been a Lamar fan for a long time. Um, there, I hope they're not peaking too early, right? Because they're playing really, really good football. And it happens every year, you know, just about every sport. You get a team that's red hot in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, another team hits their stride and gets red hot. And you're not talking about a seven-game series where the better team is going to win in football. Mm -hmm. You're talking about the team playing the best that day. And they look like they're having a blast. Like you see them at the press conferences. Yeah. Mark you know, Ingram they're dancing. Going like up they're there. having a great time. Judon was up there acting like they – I love that. I just hope that it's not too early. And I'm not saying that it is. But like a team like Kansas City, who clearly doesn't have it all together right now, even offensively, they're not really firing on all cylinders – if they click it into gear in the fourth quarter, yep. You know, you gotta that's the only concern I have for the Ravens. I agree with you right now. Best team in football. Hope it didn't peak too early. The other conversation that people are starting to have and speculate on is just kind of a fun debate to have. Because if Lamar Jackson does win the MVP this season, you could compare him to last year. Because, you know, the the quarterback conversation with guys like Breeze and Brady, uh, Roethlisberger getting older. It's kind of shifted to this new younger class. Russell Wilson's right in the middle, like he's right. the sweet spot of his career. But then there's a younger class where, all right, if you were going to pick a quarterback that you were going to build around for the next ten years, who would it be? And last year it was Patrick Mahomes. You might have taken Patrick Mahomes over Aaron Rodgers, Brady, all of them, no matter what. This year, Lamar Jackson has entered that conversation. So I will ask you: nope. Who would you rather have, Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes? Why are you gonna make me pick? Like, <laughs> know, those are my guys. Awesome. They're two. They're both and, my guys. And maybe that's man. all it is. Maybe it yeah. depends on what you do offensively, because this could be the thing. And it kind of in the college in in the college game, it comes into the conversation with Justin Fields, what he's doing at Ohio State, mm. and Jake Fromm is doing at Georgia. Because I've you know, there's been some pushback of you know some Ohio State fans are mocking Georgia, saying, "Well, we got the guy. We got the best guy. Right. See what you missed out on." And if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm like, no, no, we got our guy. You yeah. got your guy. What we're doing fits perfectly for Jake Fromm. What you're doing fits perfectly for Justin Fields. And I think that's kind of a similar situation that's unfolding here. Yep. If you put Lamar Jackson in Andy Reid's offense, I don't know if he has the same amount right. of success. And if you put Patrick Mahomes in the Ravens offense, I don't think it's going to look the same either. It may not have as much success. So I think there are two quarterbacks who fit their systems perfectly. And can we just celebrate that? Brilliant. As opposed to like trying to say, which one would you want? Me Brilliant. personally, I would probably lean towards I Mahomes. Mean, can we? Can we? Because you just asked me and try to put me on the spot with it. Right. Can I, we? I what? Just leave it at that. You could, but right. I would lean towards Mahomes since I'm going to give an answer on it. But I like the. Oh, so here's another thing I'm really mad about. So before the season, and I've told you this, I've always been a fan of, of Lamar Jackson. Yeah. In fact, I was going back this morning and I was looking at some of my old takes because I get burned so many times on bad takes. Right. And I found some really good ones on me because I said Lamar Jackson would be the steal of the draft when he dropped. Mm -hmm. It's like he's going to be the steal of drafts. I was going to go say I told you so, but that's kind of – nobody likes an I you, told you so. You told me that. You remember before we even started doing the show? Yeah. We, we uh, Port, our boss, yeah. you, me, Rip, yep. to play golf up in Boca. Yes. And you told me. I was asking you about Lamar. Right. And you told me like he is going See? to be you, – you did. Dang it. Let's get yeah. that out yeah. there. Yeah, you Cut told that me clip that. Word. Get it out there. Um, I wanted to get – like, but here's the thing where I'm mad at myself. Mm. This season – 
I took two flyers, and I'm really kicking myself for not taking a flyer in the MVP race. Tripping. On Lamar Jackson Kirk because Cousins. I could have gotten better odds. I could have got he was a total long shot. Yeah. Nobody saw this coming. I took Kirk Cousins, who actually might not yeah. it might not look awful. I don't think he's gonna win it right. either. But not but an it, awful like it's close. Yeah, like not an awful flyer. Third. Not an awful flyer. The other one was Derek Carr. But that was because of Antonio Brown. Like I right. thought he put up numbers, but why the heck didn't I take Lamar Jackson? I liked him, but well, even Danny, as much as I liked him, I didn't think he would have this. The last season. thing you saw last year from Lamar Jackson was right. him not completing a pass like in a playoff game for I don't know how long. Like, do you know what I mean? Like yes. so in fairness to anybody who would have remembered the last that's thing they saw. That's what you got to buy. You got to buy them on the cheap. No, I hear you. On. I hear you. But I mean, that, that you know, that's just that's just one of those things, yeah. man. Like you, Kicking you, myself for that one. Uh, the other side of the coin last night was the Rams, who you can say whatever you want. We can pump up Lamar Jackson, but they were atrocious both sides of the ball. They yeah. couldn't stop Lamar Jackson, which a lot of teams haven't. So, hey, but still, to get torched like that and then offensively to only be able to muster that type of performance – that's embarrassing. There are two takeaways I have from this one. One, the shine on Sean McVay has clearly worn off as more teams are looking at that offense, kind of figuring out, hey, if you shut down Todd Gurley in that run game, some of the play-action pass, you can stop them, right. which was evidence once again. And the other thing was Jared Goff, for them paying him before the season, looks like it might be one of the worst contract extensions doled out in recent memory. Um, and I think it could strap them. Like this team could this, face significant issues. Who other than the Rams were saying that 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 Jared Goff deserved that money when no they gave one. it to him? That's why when it was announced, no one was speculating about it. No one said, "Oh, they got to make a decision." No one like they could have just let him ride out the season and then made a decision after, which I usually think is probably the smartest road to go for a team if the player's not going to hold out. Even Jared Goff wasn't even requesting a contract extension. Right. The only reason they did it was because Carson Wentz got paid and they said, Yep, same draft, one, two, they paid their guy. We should probably pay ours. Well, that doesn't and it makes no sense whatsoever. And now it's going to find themselves in a position where it is going to put them behind the eight ball because they have a lot of money tied up in him. They have a lot of money tied up in him and the other guy they've got money tied up in, and I can't figure out for the life of me what's going on with that. Like it's been like with Todd Gurley, a game of clue since last year in the in the in the Super Bowl with with yeah Todd Gurley, and yep. they don't and they don't run him. And you know I didn't even know this. When I was looking at in our rundown. It says last week he had twenty five carries against the Bears. Yeah, um, and they won seventeen seven. He yep. had six, six carries yesterday. Now I'm not an X and O football guy. I'm not going <laughs> to pretend to be right. If you tell me he's got a bad knee um, and you don't think – I don't really care right. if I'm L.A. I'm getting my money's worth out of him. Right. I, and I, So if my offense revolves around running him, guess what I'm going to be doing? Running him. And then I'll play, I'll play off of that. But I'm not going to sit here and just dole out – you know, seven. I'm not gonna have him on a minute restriction or a, or a, or or a right, maintenance so, plan like right. the NBA. No, man, I'm or getting if, my money's worth out of that. Or if you were gonna go that route, then just shut him down completely for a game. Yeah, and, exactly. but then when he's in, run him exactly. Right. Run him the 20, 30 times, to- or twenty five times when you have him, and then sit him every other week. Which it would be funny if that happened because people would probably lose their minds because of load management creeping right. into the NFL. But if he is, but I'm with you. If you're Hey, it's not going to get any better. It's like, not. You know, and if, if we're still having this problem with arthritic condition, which has been rumored around him, that's or whatever degenerative. It, is, it doesn't. That doesn't exactly. get better. So you might as well. And it's kind of harsh. Yeah. But you are paying him a lot of money, so I, get the get the max out of it. Correct. That you can. But in any case, I think some of that it's going to be interesting to see what this offseason holds for the Rams. A lot of soul searching as far as it pertains to their quarterback, their running back, and their head coach for sure. Um, as a quarterback, who myself was benched mm. midseason yeah. as a starter. And I didn't have anywhere the amount of success that Andy Dalton did with the Bengals. 
When I got benched, there were it was after ten games or six games left. Right. You know, in the back of my mind, all I thought, get this over with. Get this over with. And and we were a bad team. Yeah. Don't make me go back out there. Yeah. Like I don't want to go back out there. Just let's end the season. Let me just go off. I'll go find another team. I'll go play somewhere else. I was like, please don't let me go back out there. Well, Andy Dalton, who was the starter for the Bengals for a long time, he gets benched for Ryan Finley. Nothing changes. They keep losing. Finley's been bad. So guess what they're going to do? Go back. Go back to Andy Dalton. I wonder where his mindset is. And I was talking to Joey about this before in our uh, show. We were just discussing the show. I'm like, and he's like, well, what about it's an audition? You can. He's already no. had enough on tape. Yes, dude. He's got. You years know, he's going to go out there. He's going to get killed. It's probably going to look worse. He might even lose himself some money or potential opportunity. I don't think Andy Dalton is going to get a big contract. He might find himself in a role where a team will bring him in to be, kind of be that place card, you know, the placeholder for a young quarterback. Right. But if you're him, like the only thing that could possibly happen, all the options are pretty bad. Yeah, he's in a tough spot. My my initial reaction would be Hammy. Right. Got a, ah, exactly. my hammy's sore. Yes. Don't think I could do it. Right? Um, but then people might call you but, out on right. that. Right. So that's know? why he's in a tough spot. He's so, got to play the role of good soldier. The, like, that's okay, the coach. only thing he can do right now. Which sucks for him. Well, it does. But it's that's humiliating. It, oh, no, no, no. There's, <laughs> it's, it's in a lot of ways. Like, I've been there too, right? Like, um, But the only thing you can do because your next role is going to be in a complimentary type of role. Maybe, maybe to your point, placeholder maybe even backup ish like really really good backup placeholder type of role in either account you have to be a good dude about it right if you're the placeholder you got to be cool with the incumbent kind of taking over at some point so you got to show off your good dudeness if you will right. right now right i'm a good dude like <laughs> right okay despite what's going on right Andy dalton's good dude babe like you want me on your team it's right. the only thing you can do in this scenario but it sucks it just sucks for him i hate to see it and you know he hasn't been great i think we could all see the end coming i'd be a hammy but old I- shoulder <laughs> ah. and that really the watch will be on because if they're maybe you're trying to make sure you can't draft Joe Burrow, but they're gonna be they're gonna be the number one pick. They have a two game lead on the worst team in the NFL. You know what time it was tanking. Real talk, all jokes aside, you know what he needs to start doing? What? Some Eli Manning and Tom Brady. Yeah. Like you see that rush coming through the line. <laughs> yeah, it's chuck it, it and duck it. Chuck it and duck it. Because the wor- <laughs> even worse than all the humil- humiliation is if you're in the entire offseason in a rehab program. Correct. Trying to rehab a knee or a shoulder Correct. or whatever it could be. So uh poor uh feel bad for Andy Dalton, but nonetheless, it is what it is. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back to Canal and Bell. So tonight, as is every Tuesday through the latter portion of November and early December, we have the college football uh, playoff rankings will come out tonight at 7 p.m. I don't think there's going to be a bunch of drama. Um, Oregon lost, which to me was they're, – they're toast. But to me, it was setting – here's the thing, like – we have these conversations like who's in, who could be in, right? Mm-hmm. Who's that fourth team? Mm-hmm. Because it does look like LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson are three of the best teams in football. Right. It looks like they're going to win out, even though, though, I would say be careful making that assumption. They still have some tests coming up. But the four spot looked like it was going to be nice and tidy. Oregon, Utah were both one-loss teams in the Pac-12. They both were going to be heavy favorites, two touchdowns or more in their last couple games. They play in the Pac-12 championship game. All of a sudden – 
Oregon goes to Arizona State. They get beat. And it was ugly. It was on a national stage. Mm -hmm. Oregon's toast. Here's the only thing I think could potentially come into play where it not only hurts Oregon, but it hurts the big uh, Pac-12. Utah doesn't have a win against a a top 25 opponent on their schedule. Yeah, They needed Oregon to be that much better if they're going to beat them. Sure. If Oregon wins and beats Utah, they're, the Pac-12 is left out yet again. Now they're all their hopes remain in Utah. I think they're left out anyway. You do, even if Utah wins. I do, because I think they needed the strength of schedule, you know, to, to your point of Oregon being a top eight team to be able to say, look, this is what we got. Where, where does Oregon falls probably now into the mid-teens, you have to imagine? Yeah, probably. High teens. As a two-loss team, yeah. And, and that's going to be really... That's going to be really tough. And I want to be I want to be clear. I watched Utah play. They're tough. I think they could play with any of these teams. But I think where you're positioned now, um, if if Clemson, LSU, and Ohio State were to win out, Georgia loses in in to LSU in the uh in the SEC champ. championship game. I, I think both Bama, if they don't get another uh, another loss, or Oklahoma will probably jump Utah. See, I don't I think Bama needs chaos which would mean Oregon winning the Pac, uh, Pac-12 and means you know Oklahoma loses in Bedlam this weekend that they're their two loss Ooh. champ I think that's the only way Bama gets in Bama's different than they were the year where they got in without winning their division their defense is a liability right and then more importantly they still don't have Tua like that's a that's a very real thing now here's what I think Bama could do to make their case a lot stronger they could go to Auburn and they need to blow them out because like yeah, I mean, even but, if they win, I don't think that's a great win. I think if they win by a field goal, they're favored by three or four points, whatever you look at. I think if they win, that's kind of what they're expected to do. Now, if they go in there with Mac Jones and backup, and, and they win by three touchdowns or more, then I think they have a more compelling case, which even still, I think it would be a little bit dicey. But if they just win, I don't think that's enough. I would agree with all of that. I think that's fair. Um, I do think, though, if I'm looking at a, 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 a one-loss Utah team and a one-loss Bama team, while I can sit here and tell you I think Utah is just as good as anybody out there, right? I do think Bama deserves uh, the nod. Uh, really? Yeah, I do. I think they play a much tougher schedule. Mm-hmm. They play in a in a in a tougher conference. I think there's, you know, traditionally they're they're a stronger brand. Like I think all of that has to go into when I'm comparing uh, two one loss teams. Do you know what I mean? And then. Mm-hmm. Not taking anything away from Utah, but if I look across that field, you know, Alabama's littered with dudes that are going to be playing on Sunday next year or in the next two years. I think that should factor in to that decision when you're comparing apples to apples. And at that point, you are comparing. Right. When everything's done, except Utah would have a conference championship. Well, that doesn't mean one loss. That doesn't mean anything. It's an extra game over a better opponent. You know what I mean? Who would there want? Would it be Oregon? Yeah, it would be the only team that they played <laughs> all year, and they would be in the teens. Right, it would. It it's it's gonna be like Alabama's really only loss would be to the number one team in the country. Right, and they gave them or a the run. number two team or whatever and they, they are. gave them a run for their money right. too. Uh, Nick Saban, because Bama still has this Iron Bowl, which is going to be highly competitive. Nick Saban said something about Auburn that had some LSU fans upset. Listen to what he said. So this is going to be a real challenge, you know, for us. You know, offensively they've been very effective. Uh, creating balance. I think Bo Nix has done a really good job of doing that for them. They're very effective running the football. They've got really good skill guys outside. Uh, they've got a really good runner. Whitlow's a really good runner. So uh, this team is very good on special teams. So, you know, this is, you know, the best team we've played probably so far this year and it'll be the most challenging place uh, that we've played. So real challenge for our players and our team. Woo! 
he's throwing, is he throwing some shade at LSU? You think that was an accident? <laughs> no. See, here's what I think Saban is doing. I think he's trying to, we're talking about resumes. Who have you beaten? I think he's trying to build up their schedule to look like it's so much tougher than yeah. what Oregon or Utah or Oklahoma is doing saying, Hey, this is our toughest game. I, I think it was a throwaway line. I think if you put him to task, who would you rather play? Right. He would say, give me Auburn. Sure. You know, I don't think he wants any part of LSU again. Uh, look, this one comes down for me. and It's going to be a tough game. But you roll out the freshman quarterback, and he's he's not really a freshman anymore. By this point in the but season, still, he hasn't, but, yeah. you ain't seen Alabama yet. Right? right? You haven't seen that rivalry type of game yet. I, I imagine that Nick Saban had an agenda there. And I do think part of the agenda was to take a little dig at LSU. Yeah, oh, for sure. Right. He doesn't like the yeah, fact that It's not all that. pure building up Auburn. Right. You take a little dig and at LSU on it at the same time. The thing that he's right on is Auburn's defense is significantly better than LSU's, okay. but they don't have the offense, right. clearly. Uh, so there is a trade-off there. The other thing that would kind of prove Saban's point, and I know there's a difference of home field versus away because they played LSU at home. Now they have to go on the road to Auburn. Versus LSU, they were a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Alabama was. Right. Six-and-a-half-point favorite. Against Auburn, it's three or four. So they're actually so Vegas might agree. Say this is you know this is yeah. tougher test. This yeah, is going to be I'm, more challenging for you to win. There's no two. I mean, it's going to be right, more challenging no for a lot of reasons, right? Yeah. There's no two. It's on the road, so on and so forth. But I I, I I tend to think that this Bama, you're not stopping them at the end of the day. As I just like, but you're not. St- <laughs> you're not going to purely stop them, right? Like no. you have to be able to hang points up on the board to ultimately beat them. So so we all, I think we can all agree that Joe Burrow is going to win the Heisman, right? I think he's minus 4,000. Yeah. He's going to win the award. Yep. The battle for second, I think, will get interesting. Maybe these other awards, the Maxwell Award, usually goes to the Heisman runner-up, even though still I think it's a hard to give this to anybody else but Joe Burrow. But the finalists were named. You got Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Chase Young, the defensive lineman from Ohio State, who's been wreaking havoc, although he did miss two games. Yeah. So you, think Jalen Hurts has a chance to win this one? They Typically, it kind of does. It's like... I don't, know, I don't know why it's a it consolation works this way, prize. kind of, but usually it's a tighter race for the Heisman. Well, team. if it's a consolation prize, then I think Jalen Hurts should definitely get it. Um, if it should, if it, I mean, I don't know how this works, Danny. So if it is for the best player in college football, I don't, I think Joe Burrow's run away from, like he's just separated himself from yeah. everybody in that conversation for me. So I think he wins the Heisman. And if you're asking me who, who deserves it next, and if that's what the Maxwell is going to be, then I do think you could give it to Jalen Hurts or you should give it to Jalen Hurts. All I care about, all I want to happen. Where he gets drafted? No, no, no. I want Bama and Oklahoma, and I don't see a way that this happens. Oh, to play each other. To be out. Like, oh. I let Utah be in and pit those two against each other in, like, the next biggest bowl out there that Ooh. we can get them in. So I can see. You know, see that's not out of the realm of possibility. The Sugar I think it's the Sugar Bowl. It's Big year. 12 and SEC. Yeah. Yes. They could, they could face each other. That would be, be phenomenal. Because awesome. we were hoping to get that in the playoff. Yeah. Obviously, now I don't think it's going to happen with both those two teams getting in. That would be sensational. Man, that's all I care. And then you wouldn't be able to say, hey, well, nobody cared about being there. They would want to be yes, there. Sir. And it would be fantastic to see them in there. Joey, did you have a comment about uh, Jalen Hurts? Yeah. I mean, the I looking at these numbers, the. And this is a, this is generally a stat-driven award. I think the Oklahoma fatigue is real. Yeah. yeah. Jalen's numbers are better, are almost, are pretty much better than Burroughs. What's happening here is that one loss. So if LSU loses a game somehow in these next couple games, and Jalen somehow plays them into the CFP, it's not Burroughs locked. Like That's if they a different go conversation. Unde- if they go undefeated, yes, pro- probably. But even even if he has like a bad game and they win Jalen's numbers are absurd I just think people are done with the Oklahoma conversation I think it's I, well 
it's they're done with the conversation, but also the bar was set so high. Yeah. And, and he's held that bar no, there. I mean, he's, he's been he's great. He's maintained. Let me put this in perspective because Mike Gundy, who he's playing against <clears throat> as the head coach at Oklahoma State, pointed out some stats about Jalen Hurts and how much of the workload he's carrying. Yeah. So Jalen Hurts right now is 17th in the country rushing. If he was just a running back, he would be 17th in the country. Right. He has more rushing yards than Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the running back at LSU. Mm -hmm. He has more rushing yards than DeAndre Swift, the running back at Georgia. These are top-tier, sure. best-in-the-country running backs. And he has more uh, rushing yards than Najee Harris, the running back at Alabama. Like, And you throw into the math the mix that he's got 30 touchdowns and six interceptions and over 3,000 yards passing. The amount of workload that he's carrying for this Oklahoma team is unprecedented. No, Jalen Jalen's playing phenomenal. I've, yeah. like, I've had him in the conversation and thinking that he should be really close uh, with Joe Burrow all year long. The loss hurts, though. And again, this is narrative-driven. Like Joe Burrow has single-handedly with their – well, not single-handedly. Him and the offensive coordinator have completely shifted the way you look at LSU football. Like I think there are a lot of storylines that are playing out in Joe Burrow's favor, if you will. Um but I'm with you. And if they should lose, I don't think that him purely not having a great game, Joe Burrow, that is, right. is going to knock him out of the Heisman conversation. I think right. he's kind of built up enough equity there. But if they lose, then I, we're talking – this is a whole nother conversation now because his numbers are ridiculous. And I, I, and I know you're not feeling me on this, but I'm going to say it again. After last night, what you saw Lamar Jackson do. Yeah. My man is – like, and you told me a couple weeks ago that he don't, he don't run like that except – you just gave me a lot of stats to support <laughs> that he does run like that. Like I'm telling you, if I'm a, if I am creeping a, up, he's if, creeping up. If, if, I in, if I am in a front office, yep, and I'm looking around at the way the NFL has trended and what's hot right now, and I, and I'm a team that needs a new identity. I might be in on that. Like, listen, let's build, let's let's use that blueprint. Yep. Let's let's you know, provided he checks the boxes when he comes to work out for us. Yep. Let's take a swing at that, and we'll we'll reinvent who we are, and we'll and we'll play like that because that it seems to work. And, and he's another big physical dude; he don't get hurt. Nope. And in any case, he's sitting in a much better position than he was a year ago, not playing at Alabama. Right. He's played himself into getting drafted. It's just a matter now of how high he gets drafted. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think his stock is on the rise for sure. And I think it continues to rise with every good game that Mar Jackson has. It is a copycat league, yeah. and people will be more likely to take him than they were five years ago, where he probably would have been got drafted at all. Welcome back to Canel and Bell as we shift our attention to the NBA. Uh, the Sixers this year, maybe a little bit underwhelming as far as their performance from the expectations that was set before them. And Joel Embiid had a night to forget. He was held scoreless for the first time in his career. Uh, it was interesting because he's faced Marcus Gasol six times. And against him, he's averaging 11, only 29% from the field and 5% from three-point line where it's one for 20. Yeah. Um, is this just, a, did you chalk this up to Gasol? Like credit him? Maybe yeah. he's doing something that's in Joel Embiid's head? No, yeah, Marc Gasol, Marc Gasol is a multi-time, you know, first-team all-defensive player. As a, as bigs go, well, forget bigs, as like defensive players go, he's as smart as there is out there. Like he plays them in a variety of ways. He doesn't give them the same look all the time. As a defender, um, you know, there were a few things that I tried to do to people. You know, I'd start off trying to be physical with you, see if I could get you out of your game, maybe give you a shot. You know, see if that affected, you know, where you were. If you'd start crying to the refs, get you just out of your rhythm a little bit. The better ones tended to not be phased by that because they've seen a lot. Right. Like the Kobe's, the Dwayne Ways, like they that didn't bother them. The LeBrons, they just kept it moving. So then you'd go to something else, right? And I, you know, the next thing I would try to do is keep you off of your spot, which would be like if you like to catch it, 
you know, on that elbow, see if I can get you to catch it four feet off of that elbow, and maybe that throws off, you know, you getting to the actual spot where you want to shoot the ball a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Um, if you gave it up, I would try to deny it so you didn't get it back. Try to see if someone else, you know, NBA is funny like that. Right. Like you got, you're on a team with a guy who shoots a lot of shots. Typically, the other four guys on the court are just looking for a reason to shoot the ball. Right. So if I could keep it out of his hands for long enough, I could get one of these other fools to shoot it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a win for me. Um. But lastly, would be give you a lot of different looks. So you couldn't really get a bead on what I was going to do three times in a row, right? I'd be a wild card. I think he does a really good job of that with Joel Embiid. Right. Where, you know, one time he plays him like this and he bodies him up. And the next time, you know, Joel Embiid catches it and he spaces him and he almost dares him to shoot a shot with a late contest. Like those type of things when, and I'm not saying Joel Embiid isn't like headstrong and tough mentally, but it can affect anybody. And I think he does a really good job with that, with Joel Embiid. And as far as the Sixers are concerned, you didn't ask me, but I'm telling you anyway, this is a problem for them. Not specifically the Marc Gasol, but best player on the planet type of candidates, don't do that. Right, go scoreless. They don't do that. Right. You're going to figure out a way to get something. A journeyman, an NBA journeyman, played for a lot of teams, carved out a career, nice niche. No one would ever say I was fantastic in anything. That's what I do. You don't do that. And the Sixers need a a bona fide number one to be the team that I thought they could be because they're super thin. Their bench, you know, Joey was alluding to the fact off air, their bench is, is really, really thin. They can't afford Joel Embiid to not be the best Joel Embiid um, of his life. It's definitely going to be a problem for sure. Joey, do you want to chime in Yeah, at all? I mean, I, it, there's only, what, now 17 games in the season, so he's got some season to disprove this, but I, I got, I'm done with him. I mean, he had a chance this year he said before the season he wasn't going to shoot as much. He was going to play inside a little more. He said he wasn't going to talk trash. He gets in a fight and starts talking trash. He's shooting 45% from the field this year, career low. He's 70th in the NBA in field goal percentage. There's 10 point guards in the NBA with a better field goal percentage than Joel Embiid. And, Roger, we talked about it off air, too. Physically, he has Shaq-level physical talent, potential. Right. What are you— Marcus Saul is a great defender. He's also 34 years old. You went to the free throw line three times last night. You're telling me you couldn't get three more free throws and make one of them and get one point? Yeah. yeah. Like, what is happening with this guy? He's regressing. And it's not, he's not young. He's only played four years, but he's been in the league since 2014. Like, he, you don't get that long to figure it out. Yeah. He, um, I'm not going to go as far as to say that I'm done because <laughs> right. he's he is a really talented guy, but he's missed the point. Like he's he's missed the point. He's got this incredible skill set and size and and strength and and skill. And in a league where there are not a whole lot of guys protecting the rim, that's where you should dominate. Now our bigs. In today's society, or I couldn't even call them bigs because they don't like to be called bigs. But our longer, rangier players now, um, almost are insulted when you ask them to go inside and play a little bit. You should be able to dominate in there. You should also be able to go out there and get buckets because your skills dictate that if you want to shoot a three now and again, you have the right to do that. But if you've got all of these physical gifts in a game where there are very few guys in the paint that can stop you, that's where it has to start. And he misses the boat on that. And quite frankly, the Sixers have missed the boat on that. That is where he should dominate. And that is where your offense should start. 
And then it builds out from there. And I know that's contradictory to what everybody in the NBA is doing offensively, except those are the pieces that you have as a franchise, so you have to play to that. And I can't tell what came first, the chicken or the egg. Is it Joel Embiid has zero desire to really go down there on a night-to-night basis and do that, and so the Sixers can't make him do that? Or is it that the Sixers have never really, you know, made him and put an emphasis on him doing that and therefore he doesn't see the value in doing that right. in either case they're missing the point uh the Sixers currently in that fifth spot in the Eastern Conference at an 11 and 6 good news for them it's not all lost yet maybe they can figure no, out some they, listen can figure out I still I picked them to win the East but he's got you can't be out there shooting that field goal percentage and just if you were shooting a higher field goal percentage and it was more effective don't go in the paint right don't but it ain't working like that. So when your field goal percentage is precipitously slipping, right, then you need to take your big ass in the paint and dominate in the paint. Somebody else who is doing that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. He had 50 last night versus Utah. The Bucks win the eighth in a row. If you could go back now and say, all right, who's going to win the Eastern Conference? Are you putting it on the Bucks? Are you all in on them now? Or do you still think it's wide open? We're not I, wide open, I, but you know what I mean. No, I do. I, uh, the Bucks were just slightly behind Philadelphia. Um, and I will keep them slightly behind Philadelphia because I do believe that Joel Embiid and company will at least figure it out um, a little bit. Now, what scares me, and I hadn't factored that in, and I got to be fair to Joey, is just how thin the Sixers bench is. They don't have a lot of weapons on that bench. And I think some of these guys have filled in well for Malcolm Brogdon. They're getting work out of Dante DiVincenzo. Wes Matthews has been playing you know, pretty well. So this is going to be closer than I thought. I'm still going to lean Sixers. But uh, if you made me, um, you know, if you if you made me bet, it'd be a lot harder for me to place that bet right now. But I'm going to lean Sixers. All right, let's look at Carmelo Anthony because he had really his best game so far with Portland. They get the win over Chicago. He had 25 in his four games. He's had 25, 11, 18, and 10. Were you surprised this performance, or do you think you'll get these every once in a while? You know, every five or six games, you'll get a performance where Melo chips. No, in I like think this. I think Melo can score in the NBA. Like I mean, every few nights he's going to get buckets let me see what some of these look like because quite frankly i didn't see the game um let's see uh block yeah straight line drive that's a good finish tough body finish. that is um skip one dribble like that's it look yeah like i'd still believe pretty fresh and Melo can do that um i i would imagine really well from three yeah he's just getting his timing together right so they're going to be nights when you do but the body look your body just doesn't at that at that age with that many miles they're going to be nights where he goes out there and he can't do it but he looks he looks good right there i will double down on what i said though if if Melo's 25 is needed for you to beat the bulls then you're just not a western conference threat and that's the best way i can put it i think it's a cool story I think I'm happy for Melo that he's able to get back out there and get buckets and and prove to people that they were wrong for the last couple of years. But if you need him to be playing that role on your team, which is offensive like alpha, then you're not you're not probably a threat to win anything in the in the Western Conference or in the league. You know what's amazing is you just made a comment about Carmelo at that age, like being able to do this. Yeah, he's 35. LeBron's 34. I mean, you talk about normalizing greatness, which we talked sure. a little bit about earlier in the week and last week. That's insane. When you put it in perspective of, man, Melo looks older, how long can he do this? And yet LeBron is still playing at an MVP-type level and doing it night in and night out. It's fascinating. It is, and maybe it's not fair to Melo because we look at him and think he's older than he is because he's been away from the game for two years. Right. Because really, 
you know, it's about the years you played. Those guys are pushing 17 years. Yep. That's a Tread lot. Tread on your tires. Yeah, because yeah. 35 in and of itself, I mean, I felt pretty good at 35. Right. Um, I didn't feel my greatest, but I still felt like I could do it. But when you're out of a game, you know this, when you're out of a game for two years, Danny, and you ain't got the timing or the shape or any of the things that go along with practicing and playing every day, it's really remarkable that he can be dropped right back up in the NBA, Carmelo, that is, and continue to, to score points the way he is. That's a really cool story. One, just, of, yeah, can't be playing that role on a good team. Right. One of the things that I – like one of my regret, regrets about – not even a regret. I just wish my kids would have had a chance to see sure. me play like on the field. They see me on TV, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. But nothing like playing. Carmelo had one of those moments that I think is pretty cool. I'm like, oh, man, that'd be pretty sweet because he got to FaceTime his kid after the game on the court. That's awesome. So, yeah. Oh, it was during the game. I didn't during know it was game. during the game. Uh, I thought it was after the it game. Was during, it was like during a timeout. Look at him. Oh, that's pretty great. That now, does he even know? Does he? Oh, yeah. yeah there he, he goes. goes. He, he looks over. Look. What's up? What's Give him a little salute. Kyan Anthony. My kids play against his kids. Oh, they do? Son plays for, I think it's Black Ops is the name of their travel team from, from New York. See, that's a really good team. so cool. Just from a dad perspective and the kids perspective. From a dad perspective. Super cool. I like to have that type of moment. It's awesome. Look, one of my favorite things ever was let me tell a little story let me go off the rails let's hear it um this is how i knew it was really sideways in utah one of my favorite things ever it was my kids were really little so they don't really remember it the same way my oldest was probably four um or five and my middle one was three and a half they used to be lining the tunnel when i came out at utah and i give them fives and stuff like that and the family room was attached to the hallway that you kind of the tunnel that you go through to get to the game so one of my favorite things was like at that point in their career my career, it, it was late, but on the way back out after halftime, I would stop in and I'd say hi to my boys and I'd give them like a wristband or something like yeah. that. And I'd, you know, I'd give them kisses and say, hey, you see daddy or whatever. And then I'd go right out on the court, like no problem. Um, but I loved it. It was like great for me. One day, you know, um, um, what's his name? Well, I forget his name. Uh, your guy? Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Tyrone Corbin. That's, yeah. I had to do that on I purpose. I was like, your guy? Yeah, Tyrone Corbin. He um, calls me in his office and I'm like, what's up? I, we were we were kind of already on the. I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, uh, hey, I heard uh, you were in the family room last night. I'm like, Wait, yeah, I'm in the family room every night at a game. I was in there talking to my boys. He's like, uh, what do you think that looks like? You know, to me, you're over there talking to your wife. Nobody knows what you're talking about. I was like, what? What does it matter to anyone what I'm talking about? I go in, I give my wife a kiss, I say hi to my boys, I high five them, and I come back out and I do my job like I've done every night since I've been here. Yeah, I can't have you going in the family room anymore. It's a terrible look. Really? I was like, bro, you you are so petty and are so worried about what it looks like from your perspective for me going in there to see my kids that you would take that away from me. And took it away. Like told me I was not allowed to go in there and see my boys at halftime anymore. I said, okay, you got it, bro. I made his life a living hell. <laughs> I as bet as I much too. as I could, I made his life a living hell. And it'd be one thing if you were going out and you were awful or atrocious uh, in the second half after well, those. Well, I might have been bad, but it wasn't like I was getting worse <laughs> right. because of that. But in, in all seriousness, when I first saw that, I thought it was after the game. Yeah. When it was during the game, my initial thought was, I wonder if his coach cares. Yeah, well, the, the, I mean. You know, because during what? the game, the optics of that, but ultimately no, it doesn't matter. because if your kid was walking behind the right, bench. Right, give him a little wink. Yeah, you're saying what's nod. up. You're not, he wasn't even in the game. Right. He's just standing there with a towel on his shoulder, man. Right. I'd be hey, guys. Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. Come get a here. picture. Let's get a selfie. Oh, Pull Corbin, has shame on you for that, bro. Seriously, that's kind of messed up. Uh, <laughs> at least you got some pictures and had those wristbands. Yeah, we did. Those were good times. They were. All right, welcome back to Kennell and Bell. Colin Kaepernick released a video of his workout along with a little bit extra in there. Here's the produced video from Colin Kaepernick from his workout just a little over a week ago. I've been ready for three years. I've been denied for three years. 
I'll continue to be ready. We have nothing to hide. We're waiting for the 32 owners, the 32 teams, Roger Goodell, all of them to stop running. Stop running from the truth, stop running from the people. We'll let you know if we hear from them. Ball's in their court, we're ready to go. All right, so there it was. Um, my initial reaction was a little bit, it's cringing a little bit because it is so highly produced. And this was the criticism that he took from this workout when he moved it right before. It was, oh, this was just a publicity stunt. This plays right into that criticism. Danny, you know what? It was impossible to see on that video. How he threw the ball? How he threw the ball. Right. I mean, right. If, I mean, I could make a video like that, and I could do those things and do exactly the same. I could make all those throws. I, I, I make them every week for my kids. <laughs> right. I do. I take the best plays from their games. You splice them up. And, and that didn't even show you. Like, it was, if your objective is to give a clear picture of some of the throws you made, then get rid of all the lower half graphics and yes. splitting of screens and just have yourself taking the drop and throwing the pass just clear so everyone can see it. That was a hype video. Yeah. Like, it, it didn't – I'm hoping that that was for, like, public consumption and just, like, a lot of people do it. Like I just said, my kids do it, so yeah. that's fine. If that's what you chose to send to teams, then I don't even know what to say to you because no one can see anything on that. No, it's – but this is kind of – maybe it's just a – it's society now, and he's kind of fallen into that line of thinking. Because I get these sent to me all the time to my Twitter. Yeah. A lot of people DM me, say, hey, have a look at this kid. And I'm, it's the same thing. It's like yeah. a high school player. It's right. all done up to videos. You see the best plays, best highlights. Sure. Like, yeah, he looks good here. Yeah. But a coach that's scouting you, that's potentially film. signing, they want to see film. Yeah. Or well, Even if it's a workout, see the workout start to finish. Let's see the misses. Right. Let's see what happened on some of the bad the ones. Full, like, the full thing. Because it's reality. You're, going, you're not going to complete every pass in the NFL. Correct. Like when I was uh, trying to make, when I was out for two years trying to get back in, and I did with the Broncos, I went back, cut up film of every single snap that I had, put them in there, made like a 20-minute reel of all my better throws, but at right. least they were start to finish. And there were some in there where – might have gotten sacked, but I, you know, showcased some some sure, ability in there sure. or check at the line of scrimmage. Like that is not designed to get you signed. That's no. designed to get clicks, to get likes, That's to build your is. brand, which that, again does not build up his. Like it's going to give his critics ammunition. Yeah, well, you know, like some of his harshest critics that are out there. I don't know. I, I don't think he's ever I playing again. I, I thought I, I was. I was hopeful. I don't think he ever plays again. I've been. I've been trying to yeah. hold you, but I thought you were in with me. I've been told maybe you. Maybe he Wait. could have played uh, well, before that workout. Like when it was twenty four. I was hopeful. There. Me too. That the workout would go off without a hitch, and he would, you know. But once all at once, like I was always really skeptical that that was going to work, and then once the stuff happened around the workout, I was that's no chance. Yeah, the XFL is going to kick off not too far uh, in the distant future but they're going to find themselves in a problem if they have this policy. So Josh Johnson, who was a quarterback in the NFL, has been trying to make a comeback. Mm -hmm. He signed with an XFL team, but they blocked his attempt. The Detroit Lions, they've Matthew Stafford's been hurt. They say, right. hey, we want to sign Josh Johnson. The XFL says, no, he signed with us. We retain his rights. 
can't have that policy and hope to be successful because then players who are fringe who yeah, would be really coming. good games that would help your XFL, they're going to be like, nope, I'm not coming. Yeah, I That's what happened with me in Canada. I went and met with the, the BC Lions in Vancouver. Yep. They wanted a two-year deal where they would own my rights for two years. It's like, I'll do one. They were like, nope, it's our policy. I was like, all right, well, then I'll go do arena football, which I did. Yeah. Because arena football will let you bounce anytime you got an opportunity, which is what guys want to do. Yeah, that's just acceptance of who you are as a league. Mm-hmm. You you are a minor league of sorts. Like, you might not be true minors, but you're not the, you're not the big show. Right. And if you ain't the big show, you got to have some flexibility to be able to get big show talent. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, this is your last show on here for a while. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how long it's going to be. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow doing some pick shows. And then Canel and Bell. Little hiatus. We'll say that. Uh, who, knows? who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Follow along on Twitter yeah. if you want to know <laughs> what's going to happen there. In any case, enjoy your Tuesday. Get to Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy it. Yeah.